Hello. <laughs> Hello. Are we on? Yep. Does this need to come out or are we good? I don't know. Does it need to come out further? Microphone. Does it need to be out further? I mean, you guys all, you don't really talk. I'll just do that. If you think it's good. Sometimes you just gotta do that. Yes. Okay. <laughs> I'm like, I clean my bathroom. I don't know how clean my shower is, but we'll find it. Dear listener, her house always looks nice, and she's always so worried about it, but it always looks nice. Dear listener, <laughs> I always... <laughs> that was a terrible laugh. Frantically clean before people come over. <laughs> Dear listener, dear reader, mm. please don't send me Taylor Swift. No. Not because oh. we dislike her, because we like her yeah. a lot. And it's $1,200 to see her if you were in the worst spot of a stadium. I know. And sometimes I just feel like I need to sing one of her songs in the middle of a sentence, like I just did. So, yeah. yeah. Speaking of concerts, yes. I'm seeing a concert this week. Oh, I didn't realize that was this week. It's this week. That's exciting. It's actually Friday. It's two days from now. <gasps> we're, recor- we're, we're recording at a weird time. We are. Uh, I am seeing a K-pop band on Friday, and it's very exciting, and their name is Twice. That is very exciting. Yeah. And I don't know what to expect. I don't know. You'll have to send me pictures. I will send you a lot of pictures. Yay. <laughs> Dear Olivia, dear listener, yes. expect some pictures. Good. <laughs> also, by the way, I'm Olivia. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yes, you are. And, and I'm Drew. And we are... Oddly Curious. Oddly Curious. One of these days, we'll get it. But it shouldn't sound too rehearsed. We can't sound like we have our stuff together too much. Yeah. We're like, we're actually just fooling you. Mm -hmm. We just want to sound nonchalant. But we're actually very together. We're actually really anxious. Lee together. Yes. Um, Oh, yeah. I was going to tell you the story on the podcast. I think I told you a little bit about this the other day. But um, I was at work doing my cleaning job. And I'm usually not there by myself. But... This particular day I was um, because someone was sick and I work in an area where there's a lot of homeless people, which is totally fine. Like Mm -hmm. I, I've grown up around areas with homeless people, so it's fine. But there is one person in particular that has been at my job a couple times and he looks like he's on drugs Mm -hmm. and is usually yelling out loud to himself or to someone that... I cannot see. Mm. So anyway, when I got there, like he wasn't there and I was trying to take out the trash and I saw that he was like kind of in the bushes by where I take out the trash. And I was like, "Mm." I'm like, I just don't feel safe doing that. Just doing his own thing or he wasn't lying in wait for you. Right. And I'm like, no, I mean like if he wasn't like, oh, I have no idea. Oh, (laughs) because like I was, Mm. I kind of just like peeked my head out to, um, look and then I saw him there, and I was like, oh, well, like, I would just feel uncomfortable if anyone was 
there that I didn't know. Yeah. Like, right by where I need to take out the trash, and, like, I have my back to them. And so I was, like, waiting to see if he would go away. I, like, waited, like, 10, 15 minutes. He still didn't go away. And so I was like, well, I'll just call the non-emergent line. And um, we have, like, this service that will take people, like, to shelters or, like, help them out. Uh, But they said it would be, like, an hour. Oh, because they have a long line. Because <laughs> they have a long line. And they only yeah. have, like, one vehicle out. Oh, my gosh. So no. they're like, oh, well, we can just, like, send a couple officers and, like, escort him off the property. And I was like, well, I really need to, like, go to my next job. So if you could do that. And that took a long time as well. And it was just, like, it was, like, kind of, like, that anxiety when you're, like, nothing, like, has happened. But you're, like, if I wasn't more aware, like, something could have happened. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I really, I need to get, like a stun gun or something or pepper spray i know somebody who has a taser is it someone that i know too yes and it's really cute and it's in the shape of no it's not in the shape of a frog but it looks like a frog i think i saw the company that she got it from and there's one that's shaped like a bat a mushroom oh yes and i want to get a little mushroom one you should because she also got a bat on accident she was asking for something else Mm -hmm. Um, from this company, it's like in a, a like a it's hooked to your keys and it jabs. It's oh a jabber, yeah. uh-huh. which would be dangerous for me because I trip. I trip <laughs> yeah. on my own jabber. You would easily, but she ended up not getting that. She got another a taser. So I think I'm just gonna buy that from her. Oh nice. It's in the shape of a. It's not in the shape of a bat. Why do we keep saying that? It's not bat shaped. It's just bat like in its cuteness. Gotcha. Cute okay. bat. Cute frog. Deadly weapon. It's like very not deadly. Cottage core. Cottage core violence. Yeah. <sighs> but we're not I keep laughing like a dork tonight. I, what am I doing? I'm like we're not violent. We're just trying to protect ourselves. I'm, I keep snort laughing. <laughs> Stop. Be normal. <laughs> it's been a long it has been a long day. It's been a long couple of weeks. I started this day. Uh, driving to a town an hour away from me to work for eight hours in a medical environment where we also had um, a homeless um, issue arise. I guess it wasn't, they weren't an issue. It was just, we were trying to find a shelter for somebody who had taken up residence. And and, um, it's just, it makes you really sad, but it's also like, well, you know, we can't Oh, and somebody was trying to start a fire outside, but it's also, we're in June. Yeah. So that fire could be everywhere's fire. In an an area that can create fire. We're known for fires. We are. Yeah. Speaking of fires, New York has a lot of smoke right now. Oh my gosh, I know. And the fact that they're freaking out and so sad, I am sad for them. Mm -hmm. But when you come from a place that has smoke all the time, Mm -hmm. and you see someone sad about their air quality... And you're like, oh, first time? I know. I'm like, we have had it for like quite a few years. And then there's China that's like, we've always had it. Yeah, China's like, shut your mouth. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And I've seen it's all bad. It's like there's no winning with bad air quality. What no, am I saying? It's not a competition. No. Please. No one wants to win fact, competition. In fact, let's have less of that. Mm-hmm. Um, Let's win with good air quality. Yeah, sorry, keep interrupting you. (laughs) (laughs) The pictures of New York, it it just like reminds me of Dune. It looks like it has the Dune filter over it. 
very sepia. Yeah. But less. I don't know. I feel like it would probably be just as harsh. <laughs> yeah, like less sandworms, more. Yeah. I feel like a sandworm. More regular would be preferable. worms. Oh, yeah. Just like a sandworm coming through. Maybe it would help. Sandworm subway. <gasps> yes. Yeah. We figured it out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because they've already made tunnels underground. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Solving I like it. The world's problems with sci-fi. We're like, you're welcome, New York. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just embrace your air and join Dune. I don't remember the name of the planet. Arrakis. Arrakis. Mm-hmm. Visit Arrakis. Visit Arrakis in New York City. <laughs> um I'm trying to think. Oh, yeah. I was going to tell you about uh, this podcast I've been listening to. Mm-hmm. It's called Scamanda. Like, oh. Scam. Her oh, name is okay. Amanda. And it's really interesting. Mm-hmm. This is, like, not spoilers at all, because you figure this out pretty quickly, that this woman is, like, faking that she has cancer in order to... That should be, like, a federal offense. It should be a federal offense. Like... That just, like, says so much about you as a person. Yes. But, like, she's able to do it for, like, such a long period of time. And she's, like, blogging the whole time that she, like, quote-unquote has cancer. And just, like, all of these things. This isn't bone cancer, is it? She says, like, several different types of cancer. I remember hearing a story about bone cancer, but maybe there's several. uh, There's several cancer scammers out there. But this one, she, like was successful for quite a long time and then it like goes into i don't know how she like stole this woman's husband basically and like she used to babysit for her kids like whose kid also had cancer and like that's even worse that is worse after that Mm -hmm. and then yeah it's just crazy i'm like listened to it while i was cleaning the other day and i like binged all the episodes that they already have. I love that. But, yeah, I, I highly recommend listening to it. And I didn't spoil anything. It's like... You basically I would just hope, gave the trailer. <laughs> I would hope that you would be able to tell, tell by the title that she doesn't have cancer. <laughs> because her name isn't really Scamanda. Yeah. It's, it's a scam. Spoiler alert. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Highly recommend. That's good. Mm-hmm. I wish I had something to recommend. I am... Um, I feel like I'm not doing anything new. <laughs> doing the regular. I mean, other rewatching Thirty Rocks still. Nice. I'm um, watching Murder She Wrote. Oh yeah, which is good. We've talked about this. Yes. Because Murder She Wrote is, it's just a classic. It's like the most relaxing, and also, I just love Angela Lansbury so much. So many interesting hairstyles and earrings. Mm-hmm. The '80s really gave it their best. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that she wears a lot of sweatpants suits. She's like jogging in every episode. She's jogging. She's riding her bike. She is living the life that we want. Yeah. Living in like what? Coastal Maine. Mm-hmm. Riding, jogging. Solving murders. Solving murders. Not that we want murders, but it's like if it happened around us, we'd like the ability to just be like, hey, I'm Angela Lansbury. I can do anything. Yeah. I want to have the confidence and the observant skills of Angela Lansbury. Actually, I feel like um, watching the show, I'm like, I feel like my grandma could be Jessica Fletcher. Totally. <laughs> like, she, she could solve 
murders. I, I have 100% faith in that. Yeah, your your grandma actually makes os- observations that I have never noticed before, uh-huh. and that's fun. And I'm like, <laughs> how did you see like that tiny thing from across the street? And she's like, don't ask. Yeah, I was about to say how old she is, but she'd probably hate me if I said that. <laughs> and her wonderful many years of existence, but not too many. It's impressive at any age. At any age. Just regular years of existence. Exactly. But better than than uh, above standard. I don't know what I'm saying. I know, I know what you're saying. Yeah, okay. Listeners, <laughs> I hope you know what we're saying. Yeah. <laughs> Listeners quietly shaking their head. No. I feel like... This is the most tired I've been in a while while recording an episode, so this should be interesting. Oh, yeah. We are recording a little bit later, not time-wise, just in the span of weeks' time, Mm -hmm. weeks' time, because uh, Olivia did have a family emergency. Yes. And I think that's adding to our tired. We just, not that I had a family emergency, but just life. Life is. (laughs) Life. Tiring. (laughs) But yes, everything is fine with uh, my family, but just... You know, we're trying to be, mm-hmm. like, consistent with our episodes, but sometimes life just happens. Yeah. So. And we just gotta move on. Keep moving forward. <laughs> As Walt Disney would say. <laughs> he would say, keep moving forward, and today you enter a land of yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Nope, I just butchered that. A yesterday, fantasy, and tomorrow. He said, please take this churro. He's like, please. And make it the best day of your life. Quote me accurately. <laughs> please. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> um, but otherwise, yeah. I think I'm doing okay. Okay. I'm really excited because I have a, my cousin's coming to visit. Um, I'm going to pick her up from the airport. She's going to go with me to the K-pop concert. Yay. And um, it's going to be a good time. It'll be a lot of fun girl times to be had very nice um my friend my cousin and i i wish you were coming i appreciate that but i'm also like excited that i have pretty much no plans this weekend and i'm just gonna be swimming at the pool at my apartment oh my gosh actually thrilled to do that (laughs) that is probably on the same excitement level as what i'm going to do there's nothing like being relaxed in your own home, but somehow you have a pool magically. I do not have a pool. I I know. We talked about this. You need to... Because I can have, like, I think two guests. Yes. So... I would like to be yeah. one. Yes. I will guest it up anytime. Yay. Yay. Oh, yeah. Anyway, that's all I have to add. Oh, oh. there was one thing I wanted to say. Yes. Uh, nope. I don't... I think I was going to say something about it last time and I was like you know the time has really come and gone I was obsessed with this coffee cup that I saw Uh that's super vintage it's from the 70s Mm -hmm. and it's like a kind of pottery that was made in England and I really really wanted it but then I think I was just really like obsessive for a day and then they moved on but (sighs) I was going to show you yeah I want to see it and of course, in in the moment when I was looking it up, I was like, oh, I want to tell people about this. This is what I want. Uh-oh. Can we see? <laughs> um, it's, I guess it's, there's a part of England where this is, it's made. It's um, from the 70s. 
and I just thought it was super rad. It's probably really small because I feel like everything in the 70s, everything back then was probably smaller. They weren't as addicted to caffeine. True. Yeah. But this <gasps> dragon is so cool. That is really cool. Look how much it is on Etsy. Oh my gosh. $63. That's a lot for what is probably a small cup. Yeah. So I was kind of like, I don't want to. So like, I was, I was thinking, I'd love a podcast cup where I could be like, this is my podcast cup for coffee or tea when I record with Olivia. And then I was like, well, I can just like it from afar. <laughs> You're like, this is my imaginary podcast. Yeah. <laughs> to the horn sea pottery out there. You're beautiful. <laughs> Do your thing. And I will like you from over here. And maybe one will come into your life. Who knows? Yes. Yeah. That, that beautiful thing of mysteriously appearing. I don't know. <laughs> but that's it. That's all. That's all for me. That's all she wrote. Mm-hmm. That is all she wrote that it wasn't murder. That is all <laughs> what Jessica Fletcher wrote. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Okay. <laughs> We're like <laughs> rolling into... Uh, do you have anything else to add before we jump into? I don't think so. And if I think of anything else, I'll just pipe up at the end of the pod. Yeah. Okay. Sounds good. Kay. I like that we have the ability to just pipe up whenever. I know. Me too. Well, I'm like, hey, you got something to pipe up about? <laughs> pipe away. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I think I'm first You're this first week. this week, yes. Because okay. last week you sadly ended it with Marie Antoinette. Yeah. But I mean, there was no good way between the two of us to no. end it. <laughs> You're like, I could have ended it depressingly. Sadly. Sadly? What? Nope. Sadly was the it. I can't talk. That's Sorry. a synonym. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> oh, gosh. We're, we're doing it. We're doing it. Thank you for being here. Thank you for putting up with us. Mm-hmm. And remember how last week I said that I was going to do a happy or silly one? Yeah. I lied. <laughs> well, I also said the same thing. Mm-hmm. I also lied. But I feel like... I feel like there's different, like, um, facets of what can be mm-hmm. not happy and silly. And I think it's, like, sometimes it's more palatable. Yours has, like, some... I'm not going to spoil anything, but yours has some sad moments, but it also just has, like, some kind of wackadoo This is wackadoo too. moments. Yeah. It's kind of bananas moments. It is. Yeah. So, mine that I will be doing today is the Deepwater Horizon oil spill. That's... This is going to be good. I don't know very much about it. Deep Water Horizon actually sounds like a scary movie with a shark. Well, it actually, it was later turned into a movie, which I will talk about. Oh, good. <laughs> Not a shark. Uh-huh. But um, yeah, I didn't know much about it either. I just vaguely knew that it was a true story, but I, I learned a lot of new things when I was researching, which is always fun. So my main sources were, of course, Wikipedia. Um, the Maritime Executive, and it didn't have any uh, author listed. It was just mm. the Maritime Executive. Uh, Unexplained Mysteries podcast, um, specifically Dark Green, Earth Crimes and Conspiracies. Ooh, that's a good title. I know. It, it's a very interesting series. Mm. And then Encyclopedia Britannica. Classic. I know. It actually has... I mean, of course, it's like an encyclopedia. I'm like, you know what? It actually has a lot of information. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. You're like, you know 
what I love about encyclopedias? They just know so much. They just have so much to say. You're uh, like, you know what I like about Merriam-Webster? It has a lot Look of words. Look at those words. I love those words. Oh, Definitions. Man. I always thought Merriam-Webster was a woman. <laughs> Is it a name? Is it like two last names? I have no idea. Drew. Maybe we should find out. I'm like, Merriam-Webster. Would she like to know it all in class? I think it is hyphenated. It like, is. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Is it one of those double last name people? Oh, they're so fancy. They are fancy. But yeah, you're right. The um, <laughs> encyclopedias. You're on to it. So much knowledge. <laughs> okay. So getting into our topic. So deep water was an ultra deep water semi-submersible offshore drilling rig owned by Transocean and operated by BP. And so I'm going to do a little summary before I kind of get into the main topic. Okay. So on April 20th, 2010, while drilling on Macondo off the coast of Louisiana, a blowout caused an explosion on the rig that killed 11 crewmen and the fireball was visible from 40 miles away. Oh my. I know. The fire was unable to be extinguished and two days later the horizon sank continuing to gush oil and causing the largest marine oil spill in history. So a little backstory, and who knew that an oil rig could have backstory? But apparently it does. That's nice. <laughs> I'm like, it has its own little origin That's story. actually really cute. It is kind of cute. Mm-hmm. It's not its fault. No. Um, Deep Water was built by Hyundai Heavy Industries in Ulsan, South Korea. I was going to say, wait, that's South Korea, right? <laughs> Uh, construction began in 1998 and was delivered in 2001. Deepwater had successfully worked in oil fields for BHP and Exxon in the past, and it was at times called a lucky rig and was very celebrated. So it had a good track record up until this point. Oh, it had many Korean awards. <laughs> I know. I'm like, oh, like I just, I want to know. Like the little backstory of that's Korea actually building it. Really nice. <laughs> kind of cute. Korea, known for great bands and great oil rigs. Yeah, just like great um, industry. Industry, mm-hmm. solid Korean industry. <laughs> um, and so, oil rigs are subject to safety inspections by the Bureau of Ocean Energy Management, and after the incident, an investigation was done by Associated Press. And it revealed that safety documentation and emergency procedure information were missing for the rig, including on the day of the incident. And there isn't a specific number listed of how often it was supposed to be inspected. It appears that it would change from time to time, like standards would change in the industry of how often it should be inspected. But for the fourth, well, no, <laughs> for the first 40 months, all safety procedures were done. And then after that, about 25% of the procedures were omitted. So it sounded like they're starting to like cut corners on safety procedures. Mm. And never do- good. No, it's never good. <laughs> but why cut corners when it's dealing with a flammable part of the earth? These are all such good questions that I think have very obvious answers, but apparently people in the industry don't. Uh, a few rich people are like, you know what? Let's put a pin in that let's table back 
I don't know what they say. They're like, let's let's uh, circle back to circle that back. after there's a horrific incident. Let's get into our round table and circle back. <laughs> um, so during its time, the rig received a total of five safety violations, which to me sounds really bad. And I think to most people sounds bad, but... Um, <laughs> according to their records that, uh, the rig actually has strong safety practices and they were never on any sort of watch list. So I'm gathering that it's kind of common for the industry and like five, um, flags aren't necessarily like a warning sign, which oh no, is concerning. That is concerning. <laughs> so back to the day of the incident. At 7.45 p.m. on April 20th, 2010, during the final phases of drilling on the Gulf of Mexico, a geyser of seawater erupted from the marine riser onto the rig, shooting 70 meters in the air. And then that was followed by an eruption of drilling mud, methane gas, and water. And the mixture of those three things quickly transformed into a gaseous state. And ignited into a series of explosions and then a firestorm. An attempt was made to activate the blowout preventer, but that failed. And then another attempt was made to plug the well, but that also failed. Uh, Ten workers were presumed killed in the initial explosion. Mm. Um, And then there were survivors of the blast that got into lifeboats and went out to sea. However, there were some left behind because, I mean, I feel like this always happens Mm -hmm. in any disaster. There's not enough lifeboats. And so they had to inflate uh, a life raft and they were barely able to escape in time. Before the explosion? Before, I don't think it was after the explosion, but it was more like before like the fire could Mm, overtake them. Just a second. Okay. So one of the crane operators, Dale, took extra time to dock his machine properly to make sure that there was no additional risks to his fellow crew members. But unfortunately, this decision cost him his life, and he was overtaken by the fire, making him the 11th victim. Mm. For the other workers, it was hard to determine their cause of death just due to the nature of the accident, and some of them are still missing and they haven't recovered their bodies. Oh, no. I know. It's so sad. And then the rig ultimately sank on April 22nd, which ironically is Earth Day. Oh, no. I know. That's really sad. I'm like, it's it's always sad, but it's just like, oh, man, that just, like the final irony of it. The coffin, yeah. Yeah. And then in the 87 days that followed, the ruptured well spilled an estimated 210 million gallons of crude oil into the Gulf of Mexico. Oil slicks from the blowout spread to cover nearly 60,000 square miles of ocean and also washed up along 4,500 miles of shoreline. They were unable to seal the spill right away, partly because the pressure buildup from sealing the spill could actually cause another blowout. Uh, So they tried a method called top kill, which involves pouring heavy drilling mud down the well in hopes that the pressure would stop the crude from rising. But ultimately, it wasn't heavy or dense enough to stop it. And then they tried throwing golf balls and rubber balls to try and stop the flow, which that didn't work either, which to me, that just 
does not sound like it's going to work. No, but... I don't know the logic behind that. I but... don't know. I guess maybe they thought they could throw enough down that it would stop it. But oh, I'm like, yeah, I, I don't, don't know. know. That's bad. Yeah. I feel like that would just make the golf balls come out. And yeah, it's now good. those are the end like, of the I don't ocean. feel well. Yeah. And then it's like throwing up golf balls. Yeah. Mm. So on July 12th, they put a cap on the well and monitored pressure levels closely. And when it seemed like the capping stack, which is what the method is called, was working, they shut off the flow of oil. And it looked like they had avoided another blowout, but unfortunately that was because so much oil had already seeped into the ocean. So it was more due to the fact that there wasn't as much pressure building up because so much of the oil had already gone into the ocean. Oh, no. I know. I mean, like, it's good that they were able to, like, put a stop to some of it, but it's Mm -hmm. like the damage had already been done. And the oil impeded marine life's ability to swim and fly. And this is when it gets really sad. An estimated 14,000 turtles (gasps) died as a direct result of the disaster. Oh. I know, sweet little baby turtles. And coral reefs that were centuries old were significantly damaged and still haven't recovered from the oil spill. Mm. An estimated 800,000 birds died as a result of the spill. And they were Think s- of all those Dawn commercials I that know. needed to happen. It's so sad. And they were so heavily affected because birds rely on the water for food and it helps them to cool down too. So like they oh no. a lot of times will land on the water. But yeah, poor birds. And then dolphins were among the hardest hit due to oil poisoning Mm -hmm. and not only were they poisoned but their birth rates have also plummeted in the gulf and their survival rate like past birth or like past pregnancy is still very difficult like to this day to this day like there's so many less dolphins and uh think there's one called the speckled nose dolphin that they said it was so common in the area that it was almost like rats like they're like so common but Mm -hmm. now they can't even hear them on the sonar anymore oh no it makes me so sad and then as far as justice to the speckled nose dolphin yes and all the birds and turtles Mm -hmm. and as far as the food supply goes fish that have been exposed to oil contains a high amount of mercury And then due to the chemicals that they use to try and disperse the oil, the fish also contains carcinogens from the chemicals. And then after the spill, fishing was uh, not only, no, it was restricted in only parts of the Gulf, but it still affected a large amount of the sale and purchasing. And um, some of the uh, supply chain was shut down in the U.S. due to lack of access. Mm. Uh, To try and contain the damage, BP hired thousands of local fishermen and residents to help with skimming and shoreline cleanup. The Gulf fishing industry lost an estimated $1 billion in revenue, and POC fishermen were heavily affected because a lot of them in the area rely on fishing for revenue, and also affected their food source and was uh, closer to the neighborhoods that they lived in. Okay. And just touching the oil or breathing in the fumes can cause long-term health effects. Uh, cleanup workers... Especially if you're a dolphin. Yes. <laughs> but like, even if you are someone who just 
help Live with the nearby. cleanup. Or yeah. there was one woman who she like just cleaned her husband's clothes that had been helping with the cleanup and she oh, got no. ill from uh I think it was like the carcinogens and the oil. Mm. And cleanup workers uh say that exposure to the oil and chemicals have affected their health and they're still seeking financial compensation from BP. So as far as... They're still seeking compensation? Yeah, they still BP have. has not paid them. So they were paid for, like, the initial task oh, of cleanup, no. but not for, like, the after medical effects. effects. Yeah. Oh, no. Uh, which I'm like, BP can afford it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they can. But I guess it's just, like, you know, trying to get a class action lawsuit together and mm-hmm. everything. And as far as the criminal investigation went, a formal civil and criminal investigation into the spill was initiated in June 2010 by the U.S. Department of Justice, and the DOJ sued BP, TransOcean, and Anadarko, a minority owner of the well, and in New Orleans, the civil court in December 2010 uh, for violating the Clean Water Act and the Oil Pollution Act. In early March 2012, BP agreed to settle claims made by the plaintiffs and uh, the victims of the spill for at least $7.8 billion. Mm. And then in November... Oh my gosh, I can't talk. <laughs> and in November 2012, BP reached an agreement with the DOJ to plead guilty to 14 criminal charges, among them the 11 courts... The 11 counts of felony manslaughter and violations of the Clean Water and Migratory Bird Treaty Acts. Do you have a question? Oh, so were these acts before the accident or they have they started because of it? I think they were before the accident. Okay. Yeah. Like these were existing. Um, I don't know if it would be specific organization or a bill yeah hmm. i don't know good question don't ask me about legal things. like I, because I, do you like that i said good question to me <laughs> you're like you know what that was a good question good question self um yeah i don't know anything about legal stuff either no i was like please don't let her ask about legal things i'm and like you did now uh, about those uh manslaughter uh I'm like, look, this is just what the very knowledgeable Encyclopedia Britannica told me. Right. (laughs) (laughs) And as far as the environment goes, uh, some researchers... I truly am struggling today. You're doing good. As far as the environment goes, some researchers believe that the environmental impact on Louisiana's coastal wetlands are still persisting as recently as 2018, Areas oiled by the spill appeared to have less root mass and reduced soil strength, potentially accelerating the region's problems with coastal erosion. And then, in April of 2023, BP made its return to the Gulf. No, it didn't. Its first oh. new offshore-operated platform since the spill. And they're like, "We're back, and we're better than ever." I'm like, "Well, I hope you're better. You better be better." <laughs> Seriously. And then I was like, we have no golf balls. We're doing no. great. I'm like, and also do all your safety checks. Yeah. No, they Please. didn't. I asked. They didn't. Yeah. <laughs> Just I'm kidding. like, you know what? <laughs> They're I, probably doing good. I don't have any faith in VP. No. No. Please uh, don't sue us, VP. 
I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just send them a really sad bird. I know. And then no. um, in 2016, there was a movie released with the title Deep Water Horizon, starring Mark Wahlberg, based off the... Marky Mark. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which is, I. I hadn't seen it because I was like, I'm not a huge fan of Mark Wahlberg. But after, like, researching this story, I kind of want to watch it. But it was based off the New York Times article, Deepwater Horizon's Final Hours. And it does, it includes, like, the initial accident and then the spill as well. So I think that'll be interesting. I hope, like, they don't dramatize it too much just because, like, like people are so affected by it. That's I don't true. Want yeah, you don't, like, the Hollywood... Mm-hmm dramatics but how strong is his boston accent in new orleans is what i want to know <laughs> to be fair a lot of the oil rig workers from were from different states oh okay okay so. <laughs> he's like hey oil rig say hello to your mother for me <laughs> oh i can't no um but yeah a lot of the i think that's just like common for oil rig workers is that that's true it's like something that they can do for like months at a time mm-hmm. and then they can be paid really well because it's such hard and such dangerous work if i've learned anything from the movie armageddon yes you can be on an oil rig but also be employed for working in space yeah which had other bostonian ben affleck Affleck. i feel like people from boston are so tough they're like you can put us anywhere and we will not only be good at it, but we'll also yell at you. They're like, you know what? We're going to thrive on this oil rig. We're going to thrive on this oil rig. We're going to drink bad coffee. Sorry, Dunkin' Donuts, you know. Oh, my gosh. Don't even get us started. I'm like, quick aside. Do you think people are going to hate us for that? <laughs> I don't care. I have to say, when I went to Alabama, we were getting coffee one day and I was like, oh, I'm going to try Dunkin' Donuts because like I... Because America runs on Dunkin', America runs on Dunkin'. Like I hear so much hype about it. I don't know if it was just like the one I went to, but I'm a very pale person and the coffee was like paler than my skin. Like it looked like it was just milk. Dear listener, I put Olivia's hand next to my iPad um, screen and that's pretty bad. Yeah, it is pretty bad. <laughs> I'm like, it's probably closer to your iPad screen. But seriously, oh, like, that's not good. I was so uh, tired yeah. and I needed coffee so badly and I couldn't even finish it because it was so gross. <sighs> that's not good. But anyway, it was pretty awful. Yeah, that was the disembodied voice. I'm like, Alabama, you know what you did. <laughs> Alabama's like, if that's all you think I've done, that's it. <laughs> Sorry, uh, Alabama listeners. I actually feel like there's a lot of the South that I will absolutely love, and I actually can't wait. I know. I I loved, like, everyone we met in Alabama. They were super nice. I just didn't like Duncan. You're like, but I just don't like Duncan. I think I've been to Duncan once. We actually live in a place that doesn't really have one Mm-mm. anywhere near us. No. We couldn't even just drive to one. It's... I'm trying, I don't think I even got Duncan when I went to New York. I didn't either because we are trained to not get it. Yeah. I was like, I want to try the local <laughs> coffee shop. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but real quick before... But going back to an oil rig, I'm really sorry. That's okay. <laughs> I just wanted to like, before I close this out, I wanted to mention the victims of... The tiniest victims. The tiniest turtles. Well, what if you named all of them? What if you just had a name for 500,000 birds and you're like... All right, starting with A, there's Albert, Alan, 
Albert again. Albert. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. No. No. The human victims. The human victims. They're actually the most important, but still. They are. But are they the cutest victims? I I don't know. I don't know. I I haven't seen them. No. <laughs> um but it is so sad. Like the youngest victim was twenty two years old. Oh no, that's too baby. sad. I know. He was probably so happy to have that job because he's like, I'm twenty two and I'm Living my best life. I mean, honestly, Too young. they were all pretty young. Like the oldest was because it, it's such hard work, right? You have yeah. to be pretty. You have to strong. be in good shape. But uh, so the victims are Jason Anderson, Donald Clark, Stephen Ray Curtis, Gordon Jones, Roy Wyatt Kemp, Carl Kleppinger Jr., Keith Blair Manuel, Dewey Rivette, Shane Roshto. Adam Wise and Aaron Dale Burkeen. And I just feel so sorry for them and their families. Me too. It's so preventable. So many safety checks that were not done. I know. Yeah. Anyway, that is Deepwater Horizon. Oh, that was heavy. Thank you for doing that, though. I, oh. I've always wondered what it was. I actually did not know what it was about. Yeah, I truly, like, I just remember the um, trailers for the movie with Marky Mark. I was so, like, far away mentally from what it could even be that mm-hmm. I, I actually had no idea that it was even a real-life event. Mm-hmm. I thought it could have been sci-fi. I was, It could have been anything. I thought it was, like, either a shark, uh, like, maybe, like, an abyss-type thing. Mm-hmm. Have you seen Abyss? I think so. Uh, that is a... James Cameron movie that's amazing. That's right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I heard, I sort of remember the story like when it first broke, but it was like in 2010. So I was, I was in high school. I wasn't like super aware of current events as much. <laughs> oh, I, I was not in high school. I was in my 20s, but um, I don't remember anything from a certain time. Mm-hmm. For I think 2010 was not a great year, mentally. Yeah, I maybe. mean it wasn't for me either. I so I probably school, wasn't gonna. So. <laughs> right. I'm like I probably wasn't paying attention to sad news yeah. on purpose because I'm, I couldn't handle it. I'm like, please stop showing like, me pictures I'm, of the sad birds. Right. I'm like, now I'm doing much better. Now mm-hmm. it's like, all right, I'll handle it. Now but. I'm like, let me do a report. On <laughs> not it only can I handle it, it, let me tell you about it. Yeah. Uh, this is just a testament to many years of therapy. Mm-hmm. It works, everyone. It works. I don't have many years of therapy, but I'm in therapy, and I've gotten better at compartmentalizing, whether that's good or bad. Yeah, we don't know. We don't know. Hey, if it's good for you. It's true. You keep doing you, keep doing you girl. If it keeps you sane. If it keeps you Jessica Fletchering, you go down that road. I... Yeah. I'm like, I'm not anywhere near her age, but I want to be Jessica Fletcher. Oh, me too. No, actually, I, I remember telling two of the people I, I live with, mm-hmm. two of my roommates, because I started watching it on my own, mm-hmm. choosing that over anything else. I was like, <laughs> this is what I'm going to watch. Yeah. And I remember watching the very first episode, and I was like, oh, this is it. This is what I want it to be. This is it. Yeah. I want to be a widowed 
50-something living in Maine and solving murders. I don't want to be widowed. No. But I, everything else about Jessica Fletcher, I want to be that. Right. I'm not even married, but I'm like, but I can be widowed. You don't know. <laughs> you're, you're like, I am saying I'm widowed even though I'm not married. <laughs> yeah, we don't want you to be widowed because... You're like, I'm just going to add an air of mystery. Yeah. Who knows? Henry. We have a podcast kitty joining us. Okay, should we take a little breaky break? Um, That sounds good. A breaky break from Marky Mark, and then we'll come right (laughs) back to um, what horrors remain for the rest of this podcast. Sounds good. Okay. (laughs) Okay, so Olivia, I am going to tell you um, a story about... A con man. Mm-hmm. There is a little bit, a little bit of murder involved. Not good, um, but this is primarily um, a con man story, and um, his name is not Clark Rockefeller. Mm-hmm. But that's what we're going to start with, and what we know about him. Yeah. I'm so, excited. so here we go. So around 1995, Sandra Boss was getting her MBA. In Harvard, or at Harvard, I don't know if the correct way of, are you inside Harvard? You're at Harvard, you're around Harvard. Yeah. Um, and her sister introduced her to a man named Clark Rockefeller, his full name being James Frederick Mills Clark Rockefeller. I believe the selling point is when you have a hundred names. The more names you have, the more money you have. The fancier you are. The fancier are. Yeah. you are. Um, so he was. Um, Introduced as a descendant of the famous business family. Mm-hmm. And he certainly looked the part. He wore custom-made designer clothing. He collected expensive art. And he had an upscale New York apartment. So Sandra was instantly charmed by him. And the two married shortly thereafter in 1996. So Sandra and Clark spent the next 11 years together they enjoyed a stable life thanks in large part to Sandra's job as a consultant. Um, she was quite the savvy businesswoman. It was said that her salary at the time um, in 1996 was $2 million a year. Oh my gosh. Right. <laughs> um, and in addition to that, she had her own personal wealth just from coming mm-hmm. from a wealthy family. Wow. Right. Um, but Sandra said over time her husband became emotionally abusive uh, and despite Sandra being the main source of household income he was in complete control of the family's finances and every aspect of her day-to-day life yeah not good despite this in 2001 the couple have a daughter her name is Ray oh so cute so cute it's r-e-i-g-h Oh. Yeah. Ray Storo Mills Rockefeller, loving, lovingly referred to as Snooks. Oh my Which gosh, is that's re- so cute. really cute. So Clark lives um, with his wife and daughter in Cornish, New Hampshire, and this is where he used his family ties to the Rockefeller family to bolster his reputation. Um, he would tell people he was a Yale graduate and that he owned a business in Canada. I feel like that's vague enough for people to not ask. Mm -hmm. It could be any business in Canada, but 
you just say that and it's good enough. I don't know. Personally, me, if someone mentions business, my mind just immediately glazes over. So I'm like, yeah, no follow-up questions. Right. Kind of like any kind of um, law questions. Mm-hmm. We're like, what? Yeah. Bird X? I don't know. But also, I, I definitely uh, am not in the same circles he's trying to be. No. <laughs> not only are our circles different, uh, my brain doesn't even like finance business. Hey, good for you, friend. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I just got a dollar off coupon to... Not Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> I'll tell you that much. All right. So anyway, Clark um, used his uh, family name to get a lot of, I guess, free stuff around town mm-hmm. or just like to, to get his name out there. He was a member of many elite clubs, including, I looked up one, um, Boston's Algonquin Club. It's also <laughs> shortened to the Quinn Club. Uh-huh. Is a members only club that used to be so elite and now since you know times have changed they have opened it to literally anyone can join but Mm -hmm. it was for rich white men for the longest time but also they're like yeah it's open to everyone wink wink i know (laughs) but they're like but i'm sorry you've been denied yeah um and it was said that for a while he was even a club director at the algonquin club i wonder what that would entail i don't know throwing a lot of parties um I don't know. Yeah. Makes you wonder. Maybe buying a lot of ice. <laughs> <laughs> so despite having a daughter, Clark and Sandra's marriage really began to fall apart. And it was largely due to his antics. Mm-hmm. In 2006, Sandra hired a private investigator and she discovered that Clark was not who he claimed to be. What a surprise. Shock. Shocker. Although she did not learn his real name, she was able to at least finally serve him with divorce papers because she accused him of lying about his relation to the Rockefeller family. Um, In fact, some members of the family came forward to deny any relation to Clark. They're like, I don't know her. (laughs) I know. I'm like, how embarrassing. Um, She would later testify at their divorce trial that he agreed to give her sole custody which included three supervised visits a year, but he said it could only happen if he was given an $800,000 settlement, two cars, the engagement ring he gave her, and a dress that he gave her. Just one dress. The audacity. <sighs> but, you know, she has enough money and she's probably like, okay, fine, please leave. Yeah. So That's also just like so annoying, though. You're like, oh, give me the ring back. <laughs> And she's like, well, I was going to throw it into the river, so you saved me a step. Um, So after the divorce, she legally changed her daughter's name, and the two moved to London together, probably just to be like, goodbye, we're leaving forever. That actually does sound nice. I, too, would like to move to London. Yeah. Uh, In 2008, Clark was with his daughter during one of the three yearly visits, and his ex-wife was waiting in a Boston hotel room nearby. And while Clark and his daughter and a social worker were walking through the Boston Common, he suddenly pushed down the social worker, accompanying them, accompanying them, grabbed his daughter and threw her into a waiting SUV, subsequently kidnapping his daughter. Yes. As investigators attempted to track down Clark Rockefeller, they found more questions than answers. Not only did he not have a social security number, he did not have a driver's license or a credit card in his own name. 
when his picture was shown on the news asking for leads, several callers gave at least four different identities to go with the man shown on screen. <laughs> so uh, investigators were truly confused. Finally, a friend came forward with what would be the most crucial evidence. Clark Rockefeller had been at this man's house the night before and the glass of wine he had 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 not been washed. Mm. So they were able to pull prints off the glass and they finally got a match to one Christian Carl Gerhard Streiter, a German immigrant who had come to the United States 30 years earlier. Dun, dun, dun. That is a dun, 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 if there's ever one. <laughs> All right, so who is Christian? Christian Gerhard Streiter. He was born in 1961 in West Germany and was raised in a middle-class family. He was intelligent, didn't have a whole lot of friends, and he was often dreaming of going off and becoming rich and famous, which mm -hmm. I actually feel like is probably a lot of us. Yeah. Um, and as an awkward teenager, he was <laughs> obsessed with making it big in America. When he was just 17, he met an American couple who asked for directions, and he immediately got their names, which he used later on papers when coming into the U.S., saying they were the ones who invited him to the United States. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I feel like he's like Michael Scott when <laughs> someone is like, oh, you should come over sometime, and then he's like, I'm coming over right now. No, he. this is yeah. exactly it, because he also met a young man backpacking through Europe who said... Politely, I'm sure. If you're ever in Connecticut sometime, stop by and maybe you can spend the night with us. Then the Michael Scott of Germany, a few <laughs> weeks later, arrived at the house and ended up staying there for months. No. The worst red flags. This is why you shouldn't say things you don't mean. Yeah. yeah and you know what? Most polite company, they get that. Because you tell people that. And, mm -hmm. and usually, I mean, you do mean it, but you don't think someone's going to actually do it. Mm-hmm. And you kind of hope they do, but you're also kind of like, well, you know, we'll see. Yeah. This is not the person you want to come. And no. They, and, but they end up doing it. Maybe, I mean, maybe originally they were like, oh, this is a nice guy. And then mm -hmm. they're like, oh my gosh, never mind. They're walking away and they're like, I got weird vibes. Yeah. Um, so Christian now was saying he was a German exchange student and that he needed a place to stay because he was going to be going to high school in America. Mm -hmm. And while he was there, he became so engrossed and absorbed in this new country he was living in that he completely, it's like he just kind of changed his persona. He lost his accent. He's now like, I am now a new person. He became obsessed with Gilligan's Island <laughs> and he learned to talk like Thurston Howell III. And I don't know if you're familiar with Gilligan's Island, I'm. we were not around for it, but we've mm -hmm. seen like reruns. Yeah. And it's adorable. Um, I had to Google what Thurston sounds like, and I do recognize the voice, but it's, mm -hmm. it's very much like this. <laughs> kind of like rich <laughs> yeah. and like, I'm from Germany. Nope, that sounds too British, but you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Something. It's like kind of that old like continental. Con yeah. Very, yeah. Uh, I was doing it earlier and I, I think it's because now I'm like microphone shy and mm -hmm. it's going to go Thurston to like Sean Connery for some reason. <laughs> it was kind of heading it towards was. Sean Connery. <laughs> I'm like, I'm sorry. Suddenly it's SNL celebrity jeopardy. <laughs> okay. But you get the idea. It's just very over the top. It's rich. I'm like Thurston is supposed to be like in Gilligan's Island world, he's like one of the richest men in the world. 
and he just sounds like old money. Mm-hmm. And it's like Christopher Christian or whatever, Clark, he's like, this is how I need to sound. Yeah. That's my voice now. He's like the original like person trying to pretend to be old money. Like, yes. I feel like that's the trend now. Mm-hmm. But also Jay Gatsby. Oh, Like this yeah. guy was living his Fitzgerald life. But in a really bad way. Except he wasn't as good at it. No, no. Um, so eventually, Christian decided to become an actor, naturally, mm-hmm. because that's what you do. And he headed out west to L.A. He made it as far as Wisconsin. And while there, he realized he needed to get a green card. Otherwise, he was going to quickly get escorted out of the country. He found a woman willing to marry him. And he told her that he would be forced to go back to Germany to serve in the Cold War. <laughs> <laughs> Which were like, poor girl, she doesn't realize that that's like a figurative oh, war. Honey. <laughs> um, but he was like, oh, she believed me. <laughs> right. So they did get married. He left the day after he got married to go to California. Oh my gosh, what a jerk. Uh-huh. And I looked it up, and this woman did not file for divorce until 1992. They got married in, like, 1985. Oh, my gosh. I don't know. Like, what if she actually loved him? Which would be sad. That would be sad. I don't know if she would if you met someone that soon, but it's like... Maybe she was just like, I don't know, I feel like I can procrastinate things a lot. Maybe she was a procrastinator. She kept being like, what was I supposed to do today? Oh, yeah. File from for divorce from that crazy guy. She's like, well, you know, I got stuff to do. Yeah. I got to get to the post office. <laughs> Girl, I feel you. I will also put stuff off. Um, let's see. So anyway, moving on. So Christian moves to LA with his new green card and he settles in the suburb of San Marino. And San Marino is, I mean, there's many suburbs of LA, but this is one of the wealthiest. Mm-hmm. Like, Beverly Hills wealthy. Yeah. And it's like, he knew how to pick them. I mean, because, like, not only is Connecticut one of the wealthiest states, like, this guy with his Thurston Howell competence, (laughs) he's just moving on up in the world. Moving on up. When he arrives, he has changed his name to Christopher Mountbatten Chichester. Oh, that's right. Chichester. Which he pronounces Chichesta because, you know, now he's British. Um, He claims to be Lord Mountbatten's nephew, which if you know Lord Mountbatten, that is William and Harry's grandfather. So he's royalty, but, Mm -hmm. you know, just distant enough that you're not going to ask questions because you're like, oh, you're not on the Windsor side. Who cares? Yeah. But you're, I mean, you're going to believe him because he's white and he has money, supposedly. And you're like, why would someone know that weird random part of the family right and this is the 80s no one's looking this up they're just like all right i believe you so many people in the area are instantly intrigued because i mean there's now an an eccentric royal living amongst them Mm -hmm. this opens the door for him and so he now looks sounds the part you have money you're in And so he moves into a guest house of a woman named Ruth Didi Sohus. But here is the clincher. Soon after Christopher slash Christian moves into Didi's home, Didi's son John and John's wife Linda disappear forever. 
Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about John and Linda. So they were, by all accounts, considered adorable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, they were married in 1983. Um, so by the time they meet Christopher, they're still fairly newlyweds. Um, John was a sci-fi nerd and tech geek, and Linda was six feet tall, outgoing, and a redhead. Oh. Yeah. And she was a burgeoning artist, and by all accounts, most people would peg them as, you know, very much opposites attract, but Mm -hmm. they just, they felt like they were soulmates. And they loved cats. They had six cats. Oh my gosh. They sound like adorable. good people. Yeah. Like, just good people. Um, But they lived with Dee Dee. They didn't love this because they were married. They wanted to be independent. Dee Dee, even though she did love her son, she could be problematic as she was often drunk and unpredictable. (laughs) But they couldn't live in the guest house because a paying renter was there. And this was Christopher. So John and Linda tried to focus on their careers and save money to move out of the home. And one day they bought a new truck and they were going to use this truck to road trip to a sci-fi convention with a friend, their friend Sue. However, Linda called Sue shortly after making their plans to let them know that um, the plans have changed and they were going to New York because John suddenly had an interview for a high-profile but secret government job. Which, I mean, that sounds very suspicious. But Linda promised they would be back in two weeks. I just realized I did not do my sources. That was like, I was like, don't forget. I'll remind you at the end. I will do it at the end. Dear listener. Okay. So, despite this, Sue never heard from Linda again. Yeah. Prior to the trip, Linda boarded the six cats in a local kennel and paid in advance for two weeks. So, I believe it was like maybe six to eight weeks of stay. But by the end of eight weeks, the kennel owner had not heard from Linda. So they tracked down Linda's sister, Kathy. And Kathy was like, my sister would never forget her cats. Mm-hmm. Like, this is impossible. So Kathy calls Dee Dee several times. Every time she talks to Dee Dee, Dee Dee is drunk <laughs> and tells Kathy that John and Linda are not in New York. They're in Paris, France on a secret mission. Oh, no. And Dee Dee, not winning mother of the year... <laughs> Also told the police the same thing. She refused to identify who told her this to. She insists they're in Europe and that there's nothing wrong. And so there's no evidence of foul play. The police are powerless to investigate further. Mm -hmm. Finally, a full three months after John and Linda left for quote unquote New York, Sue receives a postcard from France that says, Dear Sue... Kinda missed New York. Oops. But this can be lived with John and Linda. The most impersonal. I mean, postcards are already impersonal. Like, there's nothing you can write. And it's like, hey, goodbye. There's nothing to Seriously. Like, even, even, like, my most reserved friends, like, would not write a weird postcard like that. No. Like, there's no point in that. There's no emotion in this. Clearly, and then Sue gets it, and she's like, this is not Linda, but... <laughs> no, duh. No, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it might as well have said, dear Sue, this is not Linda, signed John and Linda. Yeah. 
Um, so three uh, months after refusing to help the police, Dee Dee finally had a change of heart. She too filed a missing persons report on John and Linda, and then she revealed the source of who's telling her this about them being in Europe. Guess what? It was the tenant of her guest house, a man who was named Christopher Chichester. Shock. Or Chichester. 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 Um, but he just moved out and hmm. he left no forwarding address. He lived there for two years. As soon as like, she, Goodbye. yep, as, she, as soon as she squealed on him, he was out. She also reported that her son's pickup truck, the new one that, that he bought, was now missing. And she had no idea how it disappeared. Um, but there was still no proof that a crime had, com- had been committed. So the investigation stalled again. Soon after filing her missing persons report, after Christopher left town, uh, Dee Dee sold her house and moved to a trailer park as almost all of her money had been mysteriously gone away. Poor Dee Dee. Exactly. Dee Dee had been Chichestered. Yeah. That's probably, I mean, she's old and, you know, was like drunk most of the time. Yeah. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. She was probably pretty easy to fool. She died just two years later and the fate of her son was still a mystery. Oh. Yeah. The case sprang up again nine months after Dee Dee died, as John's truck turned up 3,000 miles away in Greenwich, Connecticut. A man calling himself Christopher Crow had tried to sell the pickup truck to a son of a local minister without title papers. Rather than buy the truck, the minister's son reported it to the police, and Christopher took off, but then was later pulled over, and this caused him to abandon the vehicle. Um, a sergeant of the Greenwich Police Department did some digging and learned that this Christopher Crow and this Christopher Chichester were actually the same individuals, and Chichester had been the ex-tenant of someone who might be able to shed light on a mysterious disappearance. But he was gone. Yeah. So because of this, they could not track him down. Investigation stalled again mm-hmm. until May 1994, while digging a swimming pool at Dee Dee Sohus's former home, a workman made a grim discovery. Three plastic bags and a fiberglass box full of dismembered sections of a human skeleton were found. According to a detective of the Los Angeles Sheriff's Department, um, the bones probably belonged to one or both of the former residents. Mm-hmm. Um, and then a forensic anthropologist examined the remains and determined that they, it's probably just one body and it does fit the physical descriptions of John Sohus, but the lack of dental records prevented conclusive identification. And it was also determined that John had been, um, uh, what's the word? Adopted by Dee Dee. So oh. there wasn't any way to even do like familial DNA. Oh, okay. Which is sad. Something that perhaps the 
the tenant of the guest house would know, we could at least look through the guest house. And so they used luminol, mm -hmm. which we know luminol helps discover organic material. Mm -hmm. um, and so they applied it all over the cement floors. And sure enough, the floor glowed, showing there had been quite a bit of blood at one point. So it's obviously a crime scene. Yeah. Um, but had it just been John, we don't know. There was mm -hmm. only one body. They never found another body, and the case grew cold. And it wasn't until 2010 that the bones were finally determined to be John's. And Linda, to this day, still has not been found. Poor Linda. I know. It's very, very sad. Okay, so back to Christopher, who's now Christopher Crow, who also has claimed to be a relative of Cameron Crow. Of course of he course has. Of course he has. He is now settled in Greenwich, Connecticut. He also has claimed to be a television producer from Los Angeles who's working on the revival of the Alfred Hitchcock Presents TV show. Oh God. I can't think of anyone I would want to do that less. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> but what's creepy is that he picked it because there was an actual produce, producer of this show, Cameron C. Crow. Oh my gosh. Yeah, and I mean, like, back in the the 80s, no one's going to be able to have the internet to, like, look it up and verify it. Mm -hmm. And the real Christopher Crow was like, what? You did what? <laughs> yeah. So because he seems so impressive, um, he's immediately hired by a brokerage firm, but was fired because they discovered that his social security number um, was not his, but in fact it belonged to serial killer David Berkowitz, which was the son of Sam serial killer from the 70s. I feel... Did he pick that on purpose? I think he did. I think it's kind of like a, haha, you got me. That's stupid and annoying. Yeah, like, he's like, not only am I the smartest person in the room, but I'm the most annoying person in the room. Mm. I just wanted to keep that, you know, if you're wondering. Um, so he, from there, he was hired and fired from a few other jobs. And then um, another one, the very last one, as Christopher Crow, he quit because uh, where he was working, they found out that this person was also um, in connection with the disappearances of two people from San Marino, California. Mm -hmm. So he was like, gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. And now we have circled back. We are now back to Clark Rockefeller. So this new name, it's very flashy. It's almost too big of a name that it can't be legitimate, but it's like, who's going to pretend to be a Rockefeller? It's kind of like a go big or go home. Yeah. Um, so Clark reimagined himself as being a direct descendant of Percy Rockefeller, who was the nephew of the great John D. Rockefeller. So it's just subtle enough to fly under the radar. Like, who's really going to look into Percy Rockefeller's family line, I mm -hmm. guess? And yeah. it's like, I mean, they're not like John D. Rockefeller rich, but they're still Rockefeller rich, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, but he was thinking, you know, this is it. I've made it. But as we know... It went too far. And he went too big. He went too big, and he has got to go home. And, and by home, I mean to the Boston Police Department. <laughs> um, Christian Christopher Clark is now wanted for kidnapping his own daughter. So, as we talked about, he has kidnapped his seven-year-old daughter, and after a five-day manhunt for him, Clark Rockefeller 
became Chip Smith. <laughs> uh, I don't know why that's so funny. No. He became a cup from Beauty and the Beast. <laughs> He's like, I'm going to go plain Jane now. Yeah, but he was, you know, Charles Chip Smith. Charles Chip Smith, captain and catamaran designer. I'm not making that up. I know. That's I'm just not. looking at you like this because I'm annoyed. <laughs> you're, like, you're like, did you just say catamaran? I'm going to punch you in the face. <laughs> I want to punch him in the face. Yeah. Um, so this happened on August 2nd, 2008. He was found in Baltimore, Maryland, whoa, Maryland, a Charles Chip Smith. FBI agents zeroed in on him and were able to lure him out of his apartment with a telephone call because they wanted to talk to him about a catamaran he was taking out on the water. He's like, did you say catamaran? Well, that is exactly what I'm about. You know what? I'm an expert in that. I'm going to design it for you. Let me come out and get better reception. (laughs) So he was immediately arrested as soon as he left his apartment and he was charged with kidnapping and assault charges because if we remember... The social worker worker is like, I am not living that down, buddy. And they found his daughter unharmed inside his apartment. So Christian, formerly known as Chip Smith, was taken to Boston Police Department. Um, During his trial, he tried to plead insanity because his defense team told jurors that Christian believed his daughter had communicated with him telepathically from London where she and her mother had moved and she was begging him to rescue her. Like, you did not think that. He did not think that. I do not think Thurston Howell III would think that. No. However, um, the psychiatrist for the prosecution argued that while he has been diagnosed with delusional disorder, a grandiose type, and narcissistic personality disorder. He has greatly exaggerated his symptoms, and he is quite intelligent and is capable of knowing the difference between right and wrong. Mm -hmm. By the end of um, the trial in mid-2009, the jury convicted uh, Christian Clark Christopher um, of kidnapping of his daughter, as well as one count of assault and battery with a dangerous weapon. And this is because the he yelled at the getaway driver that he threw her into the car to pull away even while the daughter's social worker was trying to hang on to the vehicle to save her. Oh. Yeah. Good job, social worker. I know. They need... <laughs> Let's pay social workers more. They are like yeah. today's heroes. Seriously. <laughs> um, so, he was convicted put into prison but in 2011 more light was shed on the Sohus murder and Los Angeles County prosecutors charged Christian with the murder of John Sohus the murder trial was held in March and April of 2013 and ended with Christian being convicted of first degree murder on April 10th 2013 the verdict included an enhancement for use of a deadly weapon to bludgeon Sohus to death because among those bone fragments, they found that he had been stabbed, but he had been ultimately killed by many blows to his skull. Oh my gosh. Yes. 
So he was given the maximum sentence of 27 years to life with credit for one year <laughs> served while being uh, sentenced in Massachusetts. So they're like, good job. You got one down. You got life to go. <laughs> yeah. Good job, dummy. Um, he is currently serving in San Quentin and he's eligible for parole in 2029. So over the years, he was a British aristocrat, a cardiologist. I did not even touch that. That's way yeah. like, I can't, this guy has already gone on too long. A Hollywood producer, a bond broker, a member of the Rockefeller family, and now he's just an inmate. Mm -hmm. And that is the story of Christian Christopher Clark Chip Gerhard Strider of <laughs> Bavaria, West Germany. Good job. <laughs> oh my gosh, that guy. Oh, you were going to do your... Oh, um, my sources. sources. Yes, because... I did not come up with any of that just off the top of my head. I wouldn't even have known where to You're start. Like, you know what? I made the story. Up. I'm like, <laughs> how did you think of my screenplay? Um, so my sources are uh, NPR, which there was no um, writer. It was just NPR writers. Uh, a Vanity Fair article by Mark Seal. An Unsolved Mysteries episode, season seven, episode 11, with... Our good friend Robert Stackhouse. I, isn't it just Robert Stack? Robert Stack. <laughs> Who's Stackhouse? I don't know. By our good friend Suki Waterhouse. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Robert Stackhouse. Where did that come from? I have no idea. You just like you're like I'm so used to long names after the story. <laughs> I'm like our good friend Robert Stack Gerhard Strider. <laughs> um. And which, man, that show is so good. It is really good. And then the Netflix documentary called My Friend Rockefeller. Interesting. Which that documentary actually interviews Christian. Mm -hmm. And yes, he talks like this. I can't do the voice. I wish I could. If anyone is, is near YouTube at the moment, just Google what? Just YouTube Thurston Howell III to see how he sounds. But mm -hmm. also, yeah. um, I, this is probably the story, the only story you've told that I, like, know really well, mm -hmm. and I would highly recommend watching the episode of Dateline Phony Rockefeller. Yes, that was one that came up that I didn't get to watch, and I'm like, I have got to do it. It's so weird, because it's not one of the regular Dateline hosts, but it's really... What, it was, was it Lester Holt? It wasn't Lester, oh, okay. it was someone I don't even recognize, but um, it was really good, but... They interview him, and he is the most irritating person. Was he doing the voice? He was doing the voice, and he had, like, his creepy 70s serial killer sunglasses. I mean, uh, regular glasses, not sunglasses. And then... Um, yeah, every picture you see him in, he looks like... He actually looks like... Um, what is that villain that wears orange and has the bowl haircut? Is that from... Despicable, Despicable Me. me. <laughs> that is literally who he, I, don't, yes. I don't know that character's name, but that is who he looks like to me. I know. I'm like, I I don't want to be like, oh, this person wouldn't fool me. But I feel like if he told me, oh, I'm a Rockefeller, I'd be like, no, you're not. Yeah. And I'm like, and I don't even know what a Rockefeller, I don't even know how to say it right. A Rockefeller? I'm like, I know in my bones that you are not. Oh yeah. Date with Dateline mm. did an episode. Which is an it. amazing podcast. Amazing podcast. Highly recommend. I feel like if you like us, you'll like Date with Dateline. 
They're very family friendly. They're a couple of friends that are very silly. And also, thank you for liking us. Yes. I'm like, I assume if you're listening, you probably like us. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> if you if you want to tell us, you can. I'm like, I guess if you want to hate listen, like, I guess you're still downloading. Oh, yeah. Please don't. <laughs> please hate listen, but don't yell at us in a comment. Yeah. So I don't think we've gotten any comments like that so far. No, so I'm actually good. surprised, which is sad. I'm like, oh... We're doing okay, I guess. I'm like just bracing myself for the day someone tells me my voice is annoying. <laughs> oh, I wish I was also bracing myself for that. I'm like, that happened to me a long time ago. Oh, I just mean like oh, a and stranger. I, I, a stranger. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But so far, you've only had compliments on your voice, which is nice. I know. I'm like, <clears throat> wow, you guys are nice. Yes. Thank you. Thank you so much. And if you feel like telling us, please... Rate, review, and subscribe on any of your podcast platforms. And please tell a friend, tell a stranger, tell an enemy. Phone a friend. Tell anyone. Tell anyone. Call your mom. Tell a con man. Don't, but don't tell them too much. Just tell them what podcasts you like. (laughs) Yeah. Just don't tell them anything about yourself. Mm -mm. Yeah. Because um, identity theft is not a joke. It's not a joke. Man, that's like the second office reference i feel like you're doing okay in life if you made at least two office references in your in a 24-hour period mm-hmm. yeah um i don't know i don't have anything else do you have anything to to add before next time um i don't know we've already talked about our merch right? oh we do have merch it's on Redbubble. i'm not sure if that's the the best platform for merch but it's it's where we are stepping our foot into the merch world. Yeah. I think soon we'll, we'll probably move it to a different website. Mm-hmm. Um, but we will let you know when that happens. But for the time being, it is on Redbubble. Yeah. It, it's under Oddly Curious Pod, just like our Insta handle, mm-hmm. Oddly Curious Pod. And um, I'm also waiting for the sticker that I bought <laughs> from myself. <laughs> I know. I'm like, I am going to buy a sticker too. I'm really excited about it. Me too. Um, but yeah, that's all I have. Yeah, me too. Well, until next time. Be curious. <laughs> and um, be odd. Don't. Trust people with weirdly long names. My last name's pretty long, but but it's like it's not multiple smooshed together. Oh yeah, and Chichester. Come Chichester. On. Um. Yeah. Don't trust anyone with really, really um. Anything. I don't know. Just don't trust. No, wait. You should trust some people. Yeah. yeah, it's okay. Just be wary. Be careful with people. Don't trust oil companies. Definitely don't trust oil companies. But always trust turtles. Always trust turtles. Yeah. And if anyone says something about, like, if some turtles, I don't know, you shouldn't trust, I'm just going to ignore that because I'm going to trust all the turtles. I kind of feel like some dolphins might not be able to be trusted, but I, I trust all speckle-nosed dolphins. I I don't trust dolphins, but I respect them. Yeah. Because <laughs> I feel like they could, they could also steal your identity. I think so, yeah. And, Anyways. yeah. I mean, we have to, we have, to have gas. 
because it fills up our cars and we have to drive with it. But I know I don't like the means and how it's removed from the earth. I don't like that I have to have it. I don't like it at all. In fact, I would like to have it not at all. Yeah. And that's how I feel about that. I don't want gasoline in anything. I don't want to. I want everything to be electric, and I don't want con men to do anything that. I know if. If I lived in an area that was more conducive to it, I would just like walk and take public transport all over. Oh my gosh! But I'm kind That's of the like dream. We're we're in a place in the that doesn't nowhere. Yeah. So. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> anyway, no, we're now just rambling. We're like, and gas prices and don't that's even my get started. Anyway, but in the meantime, take care of yourself. Take care of your friends. And Go easy on yourself and. Uh, and we love you. And we love you. And good night. Good night.